This is Sam Anderson, lead pastor at Central Church. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And to keep up with everything happening in our faith community, visit centralchurch.cc. a new series this morning. As you guys can tell, we got a different graphic up on the screen and all that, and I get the, I get the honor of kicking it off this morning, so I'm really excited about it. Um, we're calling this series Love Like Jesus. And see, the reason that we're going through this series is because, uh, you know, we talk a lot about a concept here, and that, that idea is that God is love, right? We talk about this reality that God is love. And, and really, when you start to think about it, what does that actually mean, like, you can, you can talk about it, and you can say it, and you can think it, and you can know it, but, you know, when we went through this Making a Change series, there was a lot of practical application. You know, there was a lot of things that you could take, and you can directly apply it to your life right now, right? And, and when we talk about this idea that God is love, it's kind of one of those things that are a little bit harder to, like, actually put feet on, if you guys, if you guys know what I mean. Um, and see, what we believe here at Central is that the very nature of this love that God is, is that you can't receive it without reflecting it as well. You can't just receive God's love, but you also have to reflect it. It's just kind of part of the deal. Um, we've been reading, or we read through this book called Repenting of Religion, the teaching team did. And uh, it's written by this guy named Greg Boyd, and, and it absolutely wrecked me like in the best way it was just like I was like weeping after chapters and just it it completely changed my mindset on a lot of things and I wanted to share a quick excerpt from or from that book with you guys this morning as we kind of kick off this love like Jesus series when he talks about the love of God and he he says uh, we'll throw it up on the screen he says loving our neighbor as ourselves is one central way we love God It is impossible to ascribe ultimate worth to God while refusing to ascribe worth to those whom God ascribes worth. Hence, Scripture says that those who claim they love God but refuse to love their brother or sister are liars. And he quotes 1 John 4, 20. And so he talks about this idea that you you can't receive God's love without reflecting God's love. You can't say that you love God without loving your brother or sister, right? And, and see, we, what we believe here at Central is that God's love is revealed in and demonstrated to us in Jesus, right? Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Like, Jesus is the full and exact representation of God as we talk about all the time. And so if we're looking at the love of God and we really, really want to get, like, a clear picture of what God's love looks like, we have to look to Jesus, because Jesus is the love of God demonstrated to us. And so as we look at Jesus, uh, and we want, to, we want to be like Jesus, we want to emulate Jesus, and we see that Jesus is the love of God to us, and we want to take that love and we want to reflect it outwardly to the people around us, then we have to kind of start doing what Jesus did, Right? We kind of have to take this love and, and actually do something with it. It can't be something that we just conceptualize. You know, this is one of those things that, just like anything else that's, that's good in life, it, you, know, you, can, you can keep it up here in the information realm, or you can take it down here to the transformation realm. Right? And, and if you just think about it and you just know it in your head space, but you don't actually let it change you, you don't actually do anything about it, then it doesn't really do you any good. Would you agree? 
And so what we want to talk about with this series is we want to talk about what it looks like to walk like Jesus walked. We want to talk about what it means to do what Jesus did. We want to talk about, we say we want to be Jesus to the world. What does that actually mean? And so we're going to break it down in just three short weeks, and we're going to try and just touch on a couple different ideas as we go through this. And today we're talking about forgiving sinners. Next week we're talking about washing feet. And then the last final week, we're talking about breaking bread. So it's going to be totally awesome. If you guys just want to pray with me, we're going to go ahead and jump in this morning. Father, I thank you for who you are. God, we just, we slow down right now. and We recognize your presence here in us and among us, in between us. God, we, we realize that you are here. We thank you that we don't have to ask you to show up, that you're already here and that you have made us aware of you this morning. God, we pray as we dig into the scriptures this morning and as we talk about kind of what, what we feel you've given us as a vision for this next step here at Central Church, God, I pray that you would, you would give us ears to hear you this morning. You'd give us eyes to see you this morning. Lord, take my words and make them yours. Empty my lungs of anything that's me. And I pray that, I pray that as you speak this morning, we would be able to hear you and that you would change us. We love you. In Jesus' name, everyone said Amen. So starting out our talk on forgiving sinners this morning, I actually want to talk about a movie series called John Wick. All right. You guys probably didn't think that we'd be talking about John Wick in church this morning. Um, and, and by the way, this is not an endorsement of said movie. I may or may not have seen the first one and not the second one because it's in theaters and I don't want to pay for it. Um, <laughs> either way... Um, this is not necessarily an endorsement, but there is a movie series out there called John Wick. And it may or may not be a very poorly written script um, and amazing action scenes. And it may or may not be Keanu Reeves uh, being Keanu Reeves, right? Um, <laughs> and, and just to give you guys a quick basic plot summary of, of John Wick, at least John Wick 1, um, it's, it's really, really hilarious. I honestly, watching it the entire time, I was just, I was laughing at it the entire time. Not that it's a bad movie, it's just that genre of movie, and they intentionally have, like, this super dumbed down, really ridiculous, stupid script. And so, so the way that the movie works is, at the very beginning of the movie, they establish that he's very attached to this dog, right? His, like, late wife gave him this dog, and he's super attached to this dog. By the way, I don't care. I'm one of those people, I don't care about spoilers, okay? This movie came out years ago. Like, if you haven't seen it yet, I'm sorry. I'm going to spoil it for you today. Um, it's one of those movies that, like, if you, you watch the first four minutes, you know exactly what's going to happen the rest of the movie. So it's not really a spoiler anyway. I, feel like, I, I just feel that way about spoilers. Like, have you ever met someone, like, you know, something super simple? You're like, yeah, well, you know, like, when, Darth Vader, when you found out Darth Vader was Luke's father, and they're like, oh, spoiler alert. You're like... You haven't seen that yet? You deserve to have that movie spoiled for you, right? Like, that is not my fault. That's on you, dude. So, with that being said, and again, this is not an endorsement of the movie, but there are going to be a lot of spoilers here, so now you don't have to watch it. Um, <laughs> so, he's super attached to this dog, and then he kind of runs into these bad guys, and the bad guys want his car, and so then the bad guys break into his house at night and steal his car and kill his dog. John Wick gets very angry, Keanu Reeves-style angry, which means he doesn't change his facial expression. Um, <laughs> I, I'm hating on Keanu Reeves. I just don't, I don't think he's a great actor. But anyway, um, anyway, they kill his dog, and they steal his car, right? He's not angry about the car, but he's angry about the dog, right? He's mad about the dog. And you know how people say, like, 
I don't get mad, I get even. See, John Wick gets mad and he gets even, right? <laughs> and so what he does is he goes, and again, spoiler alert, but too bad. Um, he goes and he kills the bad guys that killed his dog. Okay, fair enough. And, and then the bad guys, which happen to be like a Russian mob, get mad that he killed the bad guys. So because they're mad that he killed the bad guys, they send more bad guys to kill him. And John Wick proceeds to kill those bad guys because he's mad that they sent more bad guys, right? And then the Russian mob gets mad that he killed the other bad guys that they sent. And so then they send more bad guys and he kills them because he's mad that they sent more bad You guys see there's no spoilers in this movie. Um, everything escalates for about an hour and a half, two hours until he finally goes and finds the guy that killed his dog and kills the guy ruthlessly and destroys the entire Russian mob. And that's the end of the movie. That's it. It's not very interesting, is it? No, for real, is it? But, but you know what's crazy? Is like by the end of this movie, he finds the guy that killed his dog by the end of this movie, I started feeling this strange feeling rise up in me where I'm kind of like saying under my breath and in my head like, yeah, make him pay. Right? You guys know what I'm saying? Like it's at the end of the movie and the, and the good guy finally finds the bad guy and you're like, dude, you deserve whatever's coming to you, man. Right? And I have this feeling that rises up in me that says like, make him pay. Like do it. Kill him. He killed your dog. <laughs> Which, right? Like, he killed your dog. You don't, like, go and kill, like, thousands of people, right? Um, but, but I felt this feeling rise up inside of me. And, and you see, like, that idea, that concept of, like, somebody's done something wrong to me, so I'm going to go do something wrong to them is all over culturally, Right? It's all over culturally. And it's not just a culture thing, but it's like something that is like innately inside of us. It's this like programming, this wiring that we have that's like when we have something done wrong to us, we need to do something wrong back. Right? And it's this feeling that just rises up in us. And sometimes it's just almost overwhelming and you can't control it. I mean, think about a time that you've been hurt, like really hurt right? And maybe, maybe it was just a passing comment. Maybe it was somebody being passive-aggressive consistently, <laughs> you know, those people. Um, maybe it was somebody who was just plain aggressive, no passive involved, right? Or, or maybe it was something that was like genuinely heinous and evil and violent, and somebody did something to you that they couldn't take back, and it hurt you in a way that you can't describe. And you see, we don't, normally when we get hurt and when we get offended, we don't go on a killing spree of hundreds like John Wick does. Or I hope, I hope you don't. Actually, if you do, just, like, just tell me because I don't want to offend you. I'll stay away. Right? I mean, I value my life. Um, we might not go on a killing spree like John does it's such a weird thing but but we do make people pay in our own way right we do make people pay in our own way like I said it's just it's a natural reaction it's something that rises up inside of us we see it culturally and it's just overwhelming and and maybe it just looks like you talk about that person behind their back 
This is something that I, I've been fighting with and struggling with this week, right? Like maybe it's just something that you, you talk about those people behind their back, or maybe you just like think awful things about them, right? And you're just, you, or maybe you're just harboring this bitterness deep inside of your heart. And, and it's this thing that you just hold on to. Like we all know those people and we can be those people sometimes that walk around like this with their, finch, with their fists clenched. You know, you got your teeth gritted and just every little offense you hold on to. And it just buries deep down inside of you. And it's one of these things that we just hold on to and hold on to and hold on to. And it starts to just morph and and turn into this like deep-seated bitterness towards that person. Right? We've all experienced this. This is something that's normal. I mean, part of life is you're going to be hurt. Part of life is you're going to be offended. And maybe it was by your church. Maybe it was. Maybe it was by a close family member. Maybe it was by a relationship. Maybe it was by somebody who was supposed to be, you know, a father figure or an uncle figure or, or an aunt figure or a mom figure. Or maybe it was just some random person that you work with. Who knows? But we've all experienced this hurt. And we walk through life. You know, C.S. Lewis says to love is to be vulnerable. And we always open ourselves up to this vulnerability. And, and the nature of human life is that when you are vulnerable, you will get hurt. There's no question about it. You open yourself up and it's going to happen. It's a part of life. And you see, although it's a very easy, natural response to want to get back, to want to hold grudges, to want to be angry and to be bitter, that's not the way of Christ. And when we see Jesus show up on the scene and he starts teaching this new way, he invites us into this new way of living where we don't get even, where we don't strike back, you know? John Wick might not have been as long of a movie if it was just like, oh, you killed my dog, dude, I forgive you. It's cool, you know, I mean, I'm really hurt by that, but, (laughs) you know, it might not have been as interesting. But Christ invites us into this new way. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 through 44, He says, you have heard the law that says, love your neighbors and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. Now, you you guys have to understand, this is, when Jesus says this, he is flipping everything on its head. He says, you have heard the law that says, it's not just like, oh, hey, this is an idea that's floating around. This is a law. It's okay. If someone hurts you and someone becomes your enemy, you can hate them. You can put distance between you and them and make sure that they never do that again. You can hold it against them for the rest of your life. You can go back and get mad and get even because that's just how we do things. The culture that Jesus said this in, I mean, the Israeli people were enslaved by the Roman Empire and, and there was this constant tug of war of power. And there was this constant, you do this wrong and we'll do that wrong. And you do this wrong and we'll get you back this way. And it was a very violent, brutal, unforgiving culture. And Jesus says, you heard the law. Like, you know, the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies and pray for them. This is 
humongous. And the people hearing this would have had their worlds rocked because we have our worlds rocked when we hear this. Have you ever prayed for someone that you hate? Have you ever had that experience? Let's not even say hate. Have you ever prayed for someone that you're at odds with? Have you ever had that experience? Like, I, I immediately go to like when, when my wife and I have a disagreement, right? And we're arguing and stuff. We're saying things we don't mean and all that, right? And then, and, and I'm just in my mind completely dead set and convinced that she is dead wrong, right? Um, which I'm always wrong. She's the one that's right. But um, no, I'm joking. That's actually not the case. But, <laughs> um, but, but like I think about those arguments, right? And I think about the times that like, you know, we'll just decide, hey, we need just a few minutes of space and like we'll just, we'll come back at this later because like we're just not seeing eye to eye, right? And, and the few times that I have had the clarity of mind and the presence of mind to when she kind of leaves the room and we take our own space instead of just like scrolling Twitter, I, I go to God with it. And, and I am so angry inside of me and I'm thinking, man, she is the worst. She just doesn't get it. She's just like, what in the, how could she possibly say that? And I bring it to God and I feel like an idiot. <laughs> like I bring it to God and I'm just like broken. And, and I see like the love that God has for her. And I remember how much I love her. And, and there's just this moment of like recognizing what's going on at the heart of the whole thing. And, and I recognize where my pride has gotten in the way. And I recognize where, you know, maybe she's saying this because of this other circumstance. And maybe, maybe you know, like she, she thinks this because of that. And, you know, maybe we should actually just really talk it out and not just scream at each other about it, you know? And you have this moment where you like, you recognize what's going on and, and you're awakened to this new reality and you just see the entire situation differently. And I'm not saying like you pray for your enemies sarcastically, right? Like I'm not saying you're, because <laughs> that has, I have done that before too, right? You, <laughs> you have this, this person you just can't stand and you're like, God, I just pray that you would just absolutely wreck their lives. Like that they would just really see how wrong they are. God, I just pray that you would just like show up in a way that they just realize how dead wrong they are, how stupid they are and how ignorant they are. You know what I mean? You start going off. Um, but if you really pray for your enemies in, in the sense that you, you come to God with a genuine love for them and, and you say, God, I know you love them and, and God, I want to love them and it's, it's really tough right now and, and you talk it out with God, it's crazy how immediately, not over time, immediately your perspective shifts because see, prayer has this way of like lining our hearts up with God's and prayer has this way of kind of changing us and molding our hearts and softening it and saying like, yeah, I, this situation sucks and, and I, really don't, I, I really don't agree with that person, but man, they are loved, <laughs> right? And you start to see like this person is not doing this to you because they're just pure evil. They're, they're doing this to you because they're just as twisted and broken by sin as you are, right? They're just as twisted. They don't, they don't see things clearly. They get selfish a lot of the time and, and they, they only think about themselves and, and they, get, they get bent out of shape and they wanna win and they wanna fight to the death and, and just like you. 
And, and then you start to realize and you start to see things through God's eyes and you're like, man, that person really, really hurt me. They really messed up. But like, I hurt a lot of people at times too and I really mess up a lot too and, and they're just as twisted up as I am. And I'm no different. But then on top of that, you also get to see kind of God's perspective and you start to realize that they're as dearly loved as you are too. It's like this dichotomy, you know, we're like sinful and we've fallen short and, you know, all have sinned and fallen short. We have these things that we have to work out in our lives. We have times that we are super selfish and, and super degrading and, and super, uh, you know, super just careless and with our words. And, and then we start to realize that like at the same time as being sinful and fallen and twisted, we're also dearly loved and forgiven, you know. And then you start to see things through God's eyes and it just starts to change things a little bit. It's a very hard message to internalize, um, especially for religious people. I'm just gonna throw that out there. I know because I've been religious, quote unquote, my whole life. Um, it's a very hard message, this, this whole love your enemies and pray for them, forgive those who've done wrong to you idea is very difficult, but especially for people who are religious. And, and I think a lot of the reason is, is, is that we tend to be very prideful people. We tend to be very like, well, I've got all my stuff figured out. I don't know why you don't have your stuff figured out. I don't know why you don't get that people don't do that to each other. You know what I mean? And for religious people, it's even harder. And it makes me think of, of this time in, in John chapter 3 where this guy named Nicodemus, he's a religious leader, he's a Pharisee. He comes to Jesus and he asks Jesus, like, how can I be born again? You know, like, how can I experience this kingdom of God that you're talking about, this kingdom that's here and now and ever advancing? How do I do that? And, and we all know John 3, 16, you know, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son. Whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. But the very next verse is so key, and we just, we totally lose it, right? So Jesus is talking to this super religious guy, and he's explaining that, like, God sent Jesus himself, the guy right in front of him, to the world, right? And, and then John three seventeen, Jesus says, God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Wow. Jesus did not come to judge the world. Let me say that one more time because sometimes it falls on deaf ears. Jesus did not come to judge the world. He came to save it. And, and so many times when we get into these situations where we, we are having a hard time forgiving offenses, we're having a hard time forgiving somebody who has hurt us, a lot of the time what we're doing subconsciously is we are judging them, right? We're judging if they're worthy of our forgiveness or not. We're judging if their actions were, you know, unintentional or intentional or, or whether they really knew what they were doing or whether they didn't or, you know, are they really sorry or are they not? And we start to judge these people and we start to take a judgment seat above people that have hurt us. But Jesus himself said, I did not come to judge the world. I came to save it. And so if we're going to be like Jesus and we're going to love like Jesus, we can't take the judgment seat. 
Here's a little newsflash. If anybody could take the judgment seat, it's Jesus, and he doesn't. He says, I did not come to judge the world. I came to save the world. I came to forgive the world. I came to make things right. I didn't come to make people pay. Jesus came to make things right. He didn't come to make people pay. And so when we get this mindset that we are going to make people pay, we are doing the exact opposite of what Jesus Christ himself chooses to do. Like this is, this is in him and by him and through him, all things have their being. He holds all things together. Jesus is like, Jesus is Jesus. He's like the energy behind the entire universe. And we, if we judge our neighbor and we put ourselves above our neighbor, we're doing the exact opposite of what Jesus chooses to do with all of humanity. Does that make any sense? Who are we to be able to do that? Who are we that we think we have that right? We don't have that right because Jesus, doesn't, Jesus has that right and he doesn't take it. And see, when we see this like open-handed healing forgiveness that Jesus, that Jesus walks with, have you ever noticed that the only people, when, when they come to Jesus and say, hey, I, I want to be a part of that whole thing, the only people that, that kind of have a problem with it are the religious ones? The ones that aren't, the, the sinners, quote-unquote, that come to Jesus, Jesus is like, well, come on with it. Let's go. Do you want to really follow me? It's not easy. Do you want to really do it? Do you want to follow me? Let's go. I think about like the woman caught in adultery, right? And they, they drag her out in front of Jesus. And I can only imagine the implications of that. You know, she may have been naked or half naked. And they drag her out in front of the whole city and they're ready to stone her to death, right? Have you ever noticed in that story, she never even says sorry. And Jesus says, look, no one else condemns you and neither do I. Because I didn't come to condemn and judge the world. I came to save it. So go and sin no more. See, that, that's the message of Jesus. And see, we can't just accept this message and be like, oh, yeah, I'm forgiven. Yeah, it's cool. I'm good. And then turn around and hold things against other people. We have to accept it and reflect it. That's the nature of the love of God, right? Jesus said to follow him, not just listen to him. Jesus said, follow me. That word Christian means little Christ. So if you're in this room and you say you're a Christian, if you're not, that's cool too. But if you're in this room and you say you're a Christian, that means that you are doing your best to emulate Christ. You want to walk like Jesus walked. You want to do what Jesus did. You want to love like Jesus loves. And so if we're in this room this morning and we're holding offenses in our heart, see, that's not what Jesus does. And Jesus invites you into this new reality where you can walk open-handed instead of closed fists. And you can let go of the bitterness that you've been harboring. And it has this tremendous healing effect on a 2 Corinthians 5 verses 18, or just verse 19 here. Paul writes, for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Listen to this no longer counting people's sins against them. He doesn't hold it against you. He doesn't hold it against them. 
God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer holding people's sin against them. Who are you to hold people's sin against them? God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer holding people's sin against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So what Paul does here is he does two things. He says God was in Christ, right? He no longer holds people's sin against them. God does not hold people's sin against them. And then he says he has given us this message of reconciliation. What's the message? The message is God no longer holds people's sin against them. That's the message. And he says you have been given this message of reconciliation. So when we take this message and we say, well, yeah, I mean... Technically, biblically, God doesn't hold people's sin against them, but man, you really screwed up, and let me tell you, does that make any sense at all? As we close up, I, I kind of want to tell you, I want to tell you a story of, of an experience that I had that, that absolutely changed my life. Um, I went on a mission trip, uh, it was a while ago, five years ago, six years ago, and it was back whenever, you remember when Nashville had all that crazy flooding? There was just like flooding everywhere in Nashville and like everything was destroyed. It was during that summer. And I went with a group, I like chaperoned this like youth group thing. And it was, it was weird, it was like a youth choir. Um, and so it was like 70 kids that all could sing and were super artsy. And like, I don't know, it was crazy. And so they called me and wanted me to like fly down to Florida, which is where they were from and go with them up to Nashville, and we were going to make some stops along the way, and I was leading worship for, like, this trip, right? So when they told me, you're leading worship for a youth choir, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, those 12 kids will really love it. And then I showed up, and there's 70, right? <laughs> I was like, this is a tiny church. What the heck? So anyway, we loaded up on buses, and we started going up to Nashville, and on the way, we stopped at this state penitentiary in Georgia, right? We're driving along the highway. We pull out. We would stop at this state penitentiary, and as we're going in, the warden is warning us, and she's like, okay, I just, I just want to tell you the situation here, because people come in, and they're just absolutely appalled. Um, anytime people come in, like, we have to tell you the rules. You can't look at these people. You can't talk to them. You can't make any kind of physical contact with them. The people that are in this prison are in prison for life, most of them. If they're not in prison for life, they're in for a very, very long time. And these aren't people that are in with drug charges. These aren't people that are in with, you know, uh, just simple basic crimes, grand theft auto. No, these, these are people that are in because of serial killings. These are people that are in because of serial rapes. These are people that are in because of, like, multiple first-degree murders, <laughs> These are people that are like, these are hardcore dudes. And when you come in here, I just want you to understand the situation. Like, when we tell you don't say anything to them, don't make eye contact with them, don't touch them, we mean that. Because <laughs> these guys are hard. All right? And so we go in and immediately, I mean, these are all like teenagers and then me and a couple adult leaders. And we go in and like you walk down this, they like take all of your like keys and phone and wallet out. You can't have anything on you at all. And you walk down this long, like cold, basic, bland, like almost like metal walls hallway. And you're like, this prison is exactly what it looks like in the movies, right? And you come out through the door 
and there was like this open area. There's like a cafeteria sort of thing. And, and what we did was we, well, not we, I, I was just watching, but the, the youth choir had like this whole presentation that they had prepared for the guys that were there, you know, and so they, they sat them all down, and it was like, some of it was super cheesy, it was like, you know, singing, and they've got like these little choreography moves with it, and stuff like that, um, looking back on it, it's just really silly, but they did this, they did this like drama thing, this like movement thing, right, and they did, uh, they played uh, Everything by Lighthouse, if you guys know what that is, and, uh, and they kind of like had people acting out things that were happening, right? Super cheesy, but it's crazy what, what ended up happening through it. Um, so they started doing this, and there was this moment in the movement drama thing where there's this girl that, like, she's kind of going through the whole thing, and, 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 like, what's supposed to represent sin keeps coming up and, like, just tearing her down and, like, pulling her down and pulling her down. And, and by the end of the, towards the end of the, of the whole movement thing, like, sin has completely pulled her down, and they're, like, on top of her, like, beating her. And, and then this guy who was supposed to represent Jesus, like, jumps in, and instead of, like, throwing the sin people away from the girl, he, like, just jumps over top of her and just takes it on himself. And so I see sin, like, beating Jesus to death. You know, and and then like he throws sin off, and he defeats sin and death, and he restores the girl, and, and all this stuff. And and as I'm watching this happen, I kind of—it's my personality. I check out, like even during really important moments, I just kind of check out mentally. <laughs> I'm just admitting it. If I'm ever in a conversation with you, and I start like my eyes start to drift this way, I'm not listening. I'm sorry. It's not because you're not interesting. It's just because I check out all the time. It's just my personality. And so obviously during this time, I've checked out, right? Because I, that's what I do. And, uh, you know, my eyes are floating towards the left. And, uh, and I have this, like, mental picture of all these guys. And, like, when I first walked in, and, and you know, they're saying, like, don't make eye contact with any of them, right? So what do I do? I make eye contact with every single one of them because, like, that's what happens when someone says don't do something, right? You're like, yeah, no, totally. I get how that would be dangerous, you know? <laughs> this, is, this is what happened, right? So as I walk in, I'm making eye, t- eye contact with all these dudes, and they're, like, they got, like, face tattoos, and they're, like, huge, jacked out, you know? And as I walked in, I'm like... Which one of these guys is the serial killer? Right? I mean, I'm, this is terrible, but like, this is just what goes on in your head when you walk into a state penitentiary. Which one of these guys is a serial killer? Huh, I wonder, I wonder like, if any of these guys like raped someone or like killed someone like in a really gruesome way. Like, man, these guys are like, these guys are bad dudes. These guys are awful. And like, as I walk in, I'm like looking at these people and I'm trying, literally, like you look, that guy's got a face tattoo. He's for sure a murderer, right? Like that's what's going on in your head. And this is terrible, but this is, I'm just being honest. I'm telling you what I experienced. And when I walked in, I'm like, oh, that guy for sure killed someone. I mean, look at him. He's like, obviously bad. I don't know. <laughs> and, and as I'm sitting there watching this all happen and I see Jesus take on the sin of the world and, and I think about this, like God is no longer holding people's sins against them. And I, 
I'm going to cry. I, I swear I cry every time I talk. And this is the weird thing. I don't cry any other time. Like I watched that movie, totally stone cold. Start talking about Jesus, bawling. Um, but like as I start, like I, I start checking out and like God just starts moving in my heart and in my mind. And, and I start to realize like God no longer holds people's sins against them. And then my mind jumps back to what, it, what it, the situation was when I first walked in and I started going, oh, that guy's the murderer, that guy's the rapist. And, and I started to realize that that's not how God sees them. And Jesus is like, I swear, the clear as day. He said like, sin has twisted and broken you up just like it did to them. Yeah, they had a different walk, they had a different situation, but see, they are loved beyond words just like you are. And I don't see them any differently. And so then I made eye contact like the warden told me not to with every single guy in the room. And this just overwhelming sense of the love of God washed over me in a way that I can't even describe. And instead of holding their sins against them, like I had the tendency to do, I just saw them as loved. All of my judgment of them passed away in an instant, and I just saw them as dearly loved. I started thinking, man, that guy's probably a father. Man, that guy's probably somebody's son. Like, that's someone's brother. That guy probably has damaged his family relationships to the point that they won't talk to him or write him letters or come visit him or anything. And he's dearly loved. And it just rocked my world because I started to see that they're just like me. They're just like me. And I could no longer view them the way that I used to and all I could see was how loved they were. If you guys want to have the craziest spiritual experience of your life, I dare you to go to a super public place and intentionally not judge anyone. I dare you. Sit and people watch and just sit on the bench and look at every single person and every single person that you see say, they are dearly loved by God. It will rock your world. And so maybe you're in here and you've been holding on to a specific hurt or offense for a very long time, right? Maybe you're in here and, and you've just been harboring this bitterness in your, in your heart and in your soul and you see now that like God no longer holds people's sins against them and that Jesus says to love and pray for your enemies and so maybe it's time to let it go. This is one of those things that like I said, you can either take it and just tuck it away in your head somewhere and make it be something that you know, or you can take it and put it, let it internalize into your heart and make it something that changes you, right? You can do something about it or you cannot, but it's your choice. Maybe it's time to let it go this morning. Maybe it's time to pull your phone out, like right now as we sing, and send a couple text messages. And maybe you can't uh, just forgive and apologize in just a text message, but maybe you just need to send a text and say, hey, we need to get coffee this week. We need to have a conversation, you know? Maybe it's time that you initiate something like that. Or maybe you're not at that point right now. Maybe you can't let that thing go and you're trying as hard as you can, but if you're honest, you just can't do it. 
And maybe it's time for you to start praying for them. Maybe it's time for you to allow your heart to align with God's and allow God to change your heart and soften it up. And maybe it's time that you say, hey God, I wanna see them the way that you see them. I don't wanna see them my way anymore. But whatever it is, I just, I wanna encourage you guys. This is the first step to loving like Jesus is this open-handed, freely given forgiveness that we just, man, we get to pass it out like candy, dude. It's the craziest thing. I, I was gonna bring candy up here and throw it, but then like Sam already did that three weeks ago, so whatever. <laughs> I was gonna do it like not individually wrapped though, so you're like, oh yeah, all my germs. But, um, but like seriously though, we get to walk around and like, we just give this out for free. We're the Jesus people. We're the people that don't hold people's sins against them. How insane is that? All other culture is doing the John Wick thing. Like all other cultures, like you kill my dog, I'm gonna kill your entire family. Like, and we get to go, no, no, no. God no longer holds people's sins against them and neither do I. And this new way of living free and forgiven is free to everyone, man. You just gotta step into it, here you go. And you can be that agent of change in someone's life. And it literally just starts with you choosing not to hold people's sins against them because God doesn't hold people's sins against them. And we can walk around open-handed and we can say, man, I love you like Jesus loves you. And that's the start. Let's pray. Father, thank you for who you are. God, as as we kind of encounter this idea this morning and as we allow it to kind of simmer in and kind of develop in our heads. Lord, I pray that you would allow this right now, God. We open our hearts to you. We pray that you would just allow this to really sink in. God, we thank you that you are no longer holding people's sin against them, but that you are reconciling the world to yourself. And Jesus, we pray that as we begin to internalize this message and it changes us and we allow ourselves to be forgiven, Jesus, we pray that we can move from there into a space where we are openly forgiving others and allowing you to change the world around us. We love you, Jesus. We praise you. In your holy name, everyone said. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. We hope this has encouraged you, inspired you, and you experience life change. If you are unable to attend our Sunday gatherings but still want to support this faith community, visit our giving page at centralchurch.cc. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe.